0: to Faith and Family I'm Andy Bates thanks to our underwriter Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting Faith and Family you can find out more about them on our website kfuo.org Childhood obesity is it an issue uh, is it a significant issue is it is it increasing how do we respond to it Joining me by phone today, Dr. David Olson, a general pediatrician at the Womack Army Medical Center, the, serving at the Joel Health Clinic, and uh, who is also a member, uh, board member for the American College of Pediatricians. Dr. Olson, welcome to Faith and Family.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you as my guest today and looking forward to learning more about your work as a, a pediatrician and particularly in the, the area that you've studied, uh, o- obesity medicine, looking forward to learning more about what, what drove you to that. Tell us a little bit about uh, your work serving at the, the Womack Army Medical Center and uh, your work as a pediatrician.
1: So I work as an outpatient pediatrician. In other words, I see patients in the clinic all day. Uh, so children of various ages, from infancy uh, through age uh, 18 or so. Uh, so I see them all all shapes and sizes. And for all sorts of different illnesses, we see a lot of well children, uh, kids that come in for annual physicals and things like that. We see all sorts of injuries, infections. So the full spectrum of, of things that could uh, happen in childhood.
0: What is it that... That that prompted you to study obesity medicine.
1: Well, it actually started before I even went to medical school. So I was an undergraduate out at uh, the University of California, Davis, and uh, so I studied uh, food biochemistry and nutrition there. And so I always had an interest in in nutrition mm-hmm. uh, and health and. And so that was a good background to come into medicine. And so I've carried that forward into my medical practice. And so I've always had a strong interest and and been involved in nutrition uh, as I developed my pediatric career. And so then in recent years, uh, I've noticed that the patients coming to me were increasingly large. So the kids were thicker uh, in recent years than they were, say, when I got started in this business back in the early 1990s. Interesting. So, so I have noticed the, a trend in the size of children in that period of time. So uh, as a result, I, I felt like, boy, I've got to get involved in in reversing this trend. This is not good. Uh, this is not healthy. And as I researched, I realized well, this is a nationwide phenomenon, not just something that's in the army population. So uh, yeah, so I ultimately uh, became board certified in obesity medicine. And so now I feel more equipped to tackle the challenge of of having a lot of patients who are overweight and or obese and having specific ways to help them.
0: What are some of the key things that you learned in your studies and and, and becoming board certified uh, in obesity medicine?
1: Well, some of the key things is that uh, some of the perceptions that we have of people who are overweight or obese is that, you know, that it's all a a matter of their, uh, you know, like a character flaw. But really, that's not the case. A lot of it stems from family habits. A lot of it stems from genetics. A lot of it stems from things that happen to a child before they were even born, so prenatal. Factors, uh, So our, our, our perception of why obesity happens uh, is often inaccurate. So that's one of the first things I learned. And so I had to uh, quit blaming these people as if they were guilty of something and, and realize they just need help and help working uh, themselves out of uh, their weight and get to a healthier
0: place. So, particularly for children, these were there were conditions, there were circumstances that, uh, that 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 they were subject to, that they weren't necessarily they weren't responsible for, and right. uh, so learning how to to work past the 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 stigma and the 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 social misunderstandings regarding obesity. Yes. Were there other key things that you learned in your studies that have now helped you in your practice today?
1: Certainly, just uh, there are numerous nutritional strategies certainly there's more than one way to lose weight and that there are you know a lot of different ways that people started to gain weight and so uh, the treatment has to be uh, customized according to the specific situation of the patient and so there's no one size fits all solution and so that's sort of the exciting part of obesity medicine is that you have to start from scratch with each patient and sort of figure out what's going to help them. And so, um, and, but most of the time it centers around uh, changes in eating patterns, changes in activity patterns and those sort of things.
0: When we think of obesity in childhood, I, I would imagine body image issues come to mind, but what are the, the other health issues that are associated with obesity, particularly in children?
1: Well, certainly if it uh, persists, obesity will naturally evolve into a condition we call prediabetes in which the the insulin produced by the body becomes less effective and then the blood sugar levels rise increasingly and then ultimately that will lead to uh, full-blown type 2 diabetes and all the consequences from it and so we're familiar with type 2 diabetes more in adults and it can cause kidney disease, heart disease, strokes, uh, a long list of terrible things Uh, but it can actually start in childhood so we're seeing more teenagers coming down with type 2 diabetes these days. So my whole objective in my practice is to see kids not get anywhere close to that, to stop the process before it ever gets to that point
0: is is childhood obesity epidemic in the u s today you mentioned earlier that that you learned that this was not just a a health issue among army children but that this was you saw this across the u s is yes. it is it epidemic in the u s today
1: I would say it is yes it's actually it's becoming epidemic worldwide and it has to do with our patterns of eating so the um, the federal government um, has this ongoing survey, you might even call it a health census, it's called the NHANES study, that stands for the National Health and Nutrition um, Survey. Uh, and it's conducted on a continuing basis and so the the data is always being collected and they will release the new data every few years and they collect data on things like blood pressures and weights and heights and Um, things like that on various people and various age groups across the nation. So they get a sampling of, um, you know, how uh, heavy people have become. And the children of the United States have become progressively heavier in the last 20 years. So, yes, it's a nationwide phenomenon. Now, certain regions of the country are uh, affected more and certain ethnic groups or population groups are affected more than others, but still it's a widespread phenomenon.
0: What, what defines obesity? We look at weight certainly as, as one of those characteristics of obesity, but is there a, a clear definition of obesity?
1: Well, the, the working definition that is used in pediatrics is based on the body mass index, which is a, it's a mathematical formula based on the height and the weight. So it's basically the uh, weight in kilograms divided by the height in meters uh, s- squared. Uh, and that gives you a number. And so the larger that number, then the more thick you are. So it's, a, it's a generally a, a measure of thickness. And so that has been Um, through the American population that has been plotted out uh, and we can tell if someone is average thickness, below average, and there are graphs which tell us if someone is in the 70th percentile or the 80th percentile or the 90th percentile. And so we can rank children on their thickness based on one of those graphs. And so when children come in for their well-child visits, we will plot out their graph, which is all done by the automated it's done by computer when they uh, check in for their visit. So it's, it's a very quick process, and it will tell us their body mass index and, and the percentile that they're at. And so the definition of the working definition of obesity in children is if they are at or above the 95th percentile for body mass index for their age.
0: Is it possible that someone would have a, a a high body mass index, but not necessarily be obese due to some other factors?
1: There are some exceptions to that. Certainly, uh, for instance, I have a couple high school athletes uh, that come to me and they have a very large body mass index. And so that, would, of course, I, that raises my suspicions and I check them out and there's there's barely an ounce of fat on these uh, boys. And uh, for one I'm thinking of, he's just solid muscle. And so I'm not worried about his health because that's all muscle he's got there. He's just thick and full of muscle. And so that's great. He's, he's totally healthy, but that's usually not the case. So there are exceptions to the rule, but generally when kids have a high body mass index that's that the 95th percentile or above, they have a lot of um, extra fatty tissue around their uh, the waistline and you know on their legs and thighs, and so yes, they're they're in an unhealthy condition.
0: So higher BMI is an indicator that needs to be investigated more. It may not it doesn't necessarily mean uh, indicate obesity, but it certainly needs to be investigated. As you right, mentioned, with the, right. the case of the athletes yeah. with uh, a, a lot of of uh, muscle, lean mm-hmm. muscle, but uh, not a lot of body fat. Mm-hmm. What is uh, what is a a, um, a healthy range when it comes to uh, BMA, BMI?
1: Well, we generally try to uh, counsel patients to stay below the eighty fifth percentile. So the range between the eighty fifth and the ninety fifth percentile uh, is considered overweight, and so usually that's uh, when I go into action and counsel patients to. Um, change their eating habits. So usually then I will review what they're eating for breakfast, what they're eating for lunch, what they're eating for dinner, and try to come up with some healthier alternatives. Once in a while, we'll send them to a nutritionist to go over those things in more detail. And so my objective is to keep kids below that 85th percentile threshold as much as possible. So yeah, so we like to keep kids between the Uh, below the 85th percentile and above the 5th percentile, which would be too skinny. There is possible to be too skinny.
0: You mentioned uh, one of the contributors being nutrition or diet. Are there other contributors to childhood obesity?
1: Uh, Certainly. Um, Sometimes uh, kids are taking certain medications that will cause them to gain weight, and this can happen even though they're eating in a, what we would consider a pretty normal uh, fashion. And so um, so certainly things like that can cause kids to gain weight. And, but still we have to use, uh, there's just a different strategy uh, we use to help them slim down. Um, and usually that's not the case. Usually, 90% of the time uh, kids gain weight because of just what they're eating.
0: In the, the cases with the, the, the patients where you've uh, addressed the, uh, the health issue of obesity, uh, you mentioned earlier you, you, you counsel them regarding what they're having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for their meals. Where have you found success? Where have you seen uh, patients successfully reverse that, that uh, trend of uh, childhood obesity?
1: Well, success really lies in, in school-age children especially, it really lies in getting the parent and it's usually the mother, getting them on board as far as seeing the need for a change, and then um, and going with that and and getting excited about you know getting their child to lose some weight and get healthier uh so that's often the key to success so the one my success stories are usually revolve around a mother who just really um took hold of the situation and made some major changes in how the family is eating. And uh, there was a, you know, happy ending as far as the child losing weight. There have been studies where uh, there are weight, weight loss clinics for children where the children don't even show up. It's just the adult caretakers that show up and they talk to the professional about uh, changes in eating habits and changes on what the family eats and how they eat, where they eat, and things like that, and and it results in the child gaining. Uh, excuse me, uh, losing weight. So, um, and this is without even having the child directly involved with the healthcare provider.
0: So, it, if I understand correctly, the, really the key here is uh, parents. Receiving education and 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 embracing that 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 education yeah. regarding nutrition and lifestyle habits, and uh, and understanding that, and then implementing that as well, taking that action and implementing that right. at home when it comes to to meals and and lifestyle in general.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's more true in the younger age group, let's say in the elementary school, and then as it becomes a more difficult task as. Kids enter middle school and high school where they're eating a lot of things outside the home. They're eating breakfast at school, maybe lunch at school, having some snacks after school. So it becomes more complicated in the teenage years, but still the, the parents uh, implementing changes at home are, is the key thing.
0: Regarding nutrition, nutrition is, seems to be key. Nutrition and then also parents uh, seem to be key in this. As I understand it, the, um, the FDA has, has made some changes to the nutrition facts labels on uh, labeling of, of food. Why? What do we need to know about the, these changes to the, uh, the nutrition facts labels?
1: Yeah, so the new FDA uh, Nutrition Facts labels are being implemented, and they'll be fully implemented by next July. Uh, so you're seeing some changes already. And so the changes are really meant to make the, the labels more relevant to the consumer, and hopefully that will uh, result in people being more conscious of uh, the, the key ingredients of the food. The key ingredient is calories. And so calories are going to be uh, displayed more prominently in bolder letters up at the top of the label. And so um, before it was it was displayed, but in a less uh, prominent fashion. So uh, also the serving size listed on the label will be more relevant or more realistic. Uh, um, sometimes there were... In the previous labeling regimen, there was there were some oddball uh, serving sizes listed, or serving sizes that people didn't actually take, and so uh, the serving sizes are more realistic now. Um, also, the listing of certain nutrients like vitamin A will no longer be on the level on the label, and vitamin C will no longer be on the label. And the reason for that is there are relatively few people who have deficiencies in those those elements or those vitamins and so uh, and instead of those items there will be calcium and potassium listed on the on the nutrition facts labels which are more relevant for health and those are things that a lot of people are Uh, running a deficit on or not getting enough of in their diet. So uh, hopefully the consumers will be more aware of what they're taking in and they can compare labels product against product and see which one has more calcium, for instance.
0: When counseling families and when counseling patients and their their families regarding childhood obesity or a case of uh, obesity, do you uh, How do you counsel them regarding food? Do you talk about reading nutri- nutrition labels? how do you How do you go about nutrition well, labels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now the
1: yeah, another thing I mi- uh, forgot to mention about the nutrition labels is they now will display the amount of added sugar, and that was something that was missing on the old labels. Uh, so now I will be able to counsel people to limit their added sugar. Before, that was sort of hidden in, under carbohydrates on the, on the label. Uh, so, and this is most obvious when you look at things like breakfast cereals, which are very high in added sugars. So, and if you compare them, there's not a huge amount of difference between the obviously sugary ones and some of the ones that are perceived as healthy. Um And so, but the consumer will be able to compare how much added sugar they're getting in a standard serving of breakfast cereal, and that's going to be helpful as far as the the bottom line is all Americans, whether they're young or old, need to decrease the amount of added sugar in their diet since the average American is taking in at least twice the amount of the recommended
0: amount. So decreasing uh, our our consumption of added sugar is certainly significant. Other tips that, uh, or instructions you give to parents when uh, they, they have a child who's in experiencing obesity?
1: Well, there's actually a long list of things that I'll <laughs> instruct them on. First of all is, whenever possible, have meals together as a family. So children who eat with their parents tend to eat better as far as the quality of what they're eating. They tend to eat more vegetables. They tend to eat more reasonable portions. Uh, and, you know, there is a social benefit to eating together as a family, so they, they tend to be more stable emotionally, and so that is a key thing. Uh, so generally families need to eat the evening meal together whenever possible. Now, that's some people load up their schedules with all sorts of things that makes it very difficult, but that still should be a goal for most families. Uh, another thing is many children these days are not getting enough dairy. They're not getting enough calcium, and they're not getting enough protein from dairy. So uh, they instead will go for some uh, sugary beverage, either fruit juice or soda. And so I like to see people getting away from those sort of beverages and towards just having a glass of milk. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, we had a glass of milk with every meal, so three glasses a day, and that's still a great practice. And kids who drink their three glasses of milk per day, they tend to not gain weight the same way that the kids that don't drink their three glasses of milk. So it's real basic things like that. I also stress eating unprocessed foods whenever possible, uh, or if you have to eat a processed or packaged food, just to be careful, you're not getting a lot of sugar. So I encourage people to, you know, to cook uh, and use whole foods whenever possible, because that way you're not getting a lot of extra additives or uh, secret ingredients that you don't know about. Uh, that could be harmful.
0: So particularly those foods that don't even necessarily have a label. We're talking about foods coming from the produce aisle that uh, are, as you pointed out, they're the, whole foods. They're whole mm-hmm. fruits. They're whole veggies uh, that are, are, are don't even necessarily have that label because they're natural foods. Right. Dr. Olson, anything else that you'd like for us to understand when it comes to childhood obesity and uh, and responding to it or caring for a child who is experiencing obesity?
1: Yes, I I, I think that all parents should uh, should be open to that discussion with their child's doctor or healthcare provider when they go in for a um, annual visit. Uh, they should. Um, engage the, the doctor. Sometimes doctors are shy about bringing up the whole subject, but it's, it's good to uh, have a dialogue going about how is my child doing as far as their weight? Where, where are they on the BMI percentiles? Uh, what can I, you know, do you have any suggestions that will help my child uh, stay healthy? Um, so, yeah, the parents should engage with their healthcare care providers that are available to them to do all they can.
0: Dr. David Olson, general pediatrician at Womack Army Medical Center at the Joel Health Clinic, also board member of the American College of Pediatricians. Dr. Olson, thank you for being my guest today on Faith and Family.
1: You're very welcome.